Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What a weekend for baseball in the state of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, good Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for over 100 years. You can find branch locations for Mississippi Land Bank on the website, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Borky, you moved this weekend. We're not going to bury the lead much, but uh, how was the moving? Um, Hire a moving company. Do not do what I did. Never, ever think that you can do it on your own, despite having a trailer and a couple of friends that are willing to help you for a couple hours on Saturday morning. Just pay the people a few hundred bucks to put it all in their truck and move it one time for you. I spent the better part... I think I offered that advice somewhere along the way to you, and I completely get ignoring the advice. My guess is, though, this will be the last time that you move yourself. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, I'd rather spend the... I got quoted at like 475 bucks, and I regret every second that I did not write that check. Would have been worth it. I mean, it yep. took me from Wednesday night until Sunday afternoon to do it all myself. <laughs> I've been there, man. Uh, I've been there. And about three moves ago, I made the decision that we're never going to do this again on our own. Now, you still have to do work on your own, but um, you got to hire somebody to move the, uh, yeah. the big stuff. Mm-hmm. But luckily, for as long as I'm here, we're not leaving that house. So There you go. Hey, Dad, what's up? Happy Monday. What's going on, guys? Great to be what a with weekend, you today. man. Oh, it's fantastic. Fantastic weekend. Great weather, great baseball, and, and great times uh, across our state. Yeah, no no question about that. You've got Ole Miss and Mississippi State both going to Super Regionals. Mississippi State's going to host one in Starkville. Don't yet know who the opponent's going to be. It will be either Stanford or Fresno State. Ole Miss is going to go on the road and play in a Super Regional in Fayetteville, they will meet Arkansas for the sixth time, the seventh time, and potentially the eighth time this season. Two teams that know each other pretty doggone well. Uh, Rippy, what's up, man? Not much. You exhausted? A little bit, but doesn't really ever stop, right? I mean, you got the game last night, did some podcasting this morning, you got the MLB draft tonight, we got a draft Ole Miss draft primer at supertalk.fm could be an interesting couple of days for Ole Miss I'll be kind of intrigued to see that but yeah it's a fun couple of days a lot of baseball yeah and then you'll roll back into a super regional this weekend and then potentially for both Mississippi State and Ole Miss a trip to Omaha the following week and then uh, you get like a week off and then guess what SEC football media days are just around the corner there, there's a vacation for you guys in there somewhere in the near future right 
No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Borky, you might want to rethink it. <laughs> you might, even if you don't go anywhere, you might want to just take a couple of days to sit around in your underwear in your new house and uh, just soak it in and not work. Yeah, maybe for, so. Uh, I've for just, a couple of days. I've got a little boy on the way, man. I've, I want to save my days for when that comes. That's uh, which that's that going to be a problem. A way to look at it because that's right in the middle of football season. Yeah, we'll get through it. You can take a few days. Not, not that you need my permission to take a few days. I didn't mean it like that, but, you know. Well, I mean, we'll I technically kind of have to run it by you. It, you know, eh. order of importance, I guess. No. No fall weddings, no fall births. <laughs> yeah, poor planning on, um, <laughs> uh, never mind. Here's the thing. It wasn't, uh, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll just go with the uh, the consistent never mind. Hey, I tweeted this just a second ago. Um, I was curious because I knew the crowds were big in Oxford, where I was this weekend. I knew from what I saw on television and online and following along on the bases loaded that the crowds were big in Starkville this weekend, and I just hadn't seen cumulative numbers anywhere. So I decided to do the math. So I pulled up all three box scores for Mississippi State, all three box scores for Ole Miss, and I started adding. And, hey, Dad, you know what I found? I've seen the tweet, but go ahead. There was not much difference. So... Um, full disclosure, when I started adding them, I expected that Mississippi State would have had a few more people than Ole Miss had. I didn't know how many more, you know, maybe in the hundreds, maybe a thousand. One caveat you might put out there, Mississippi State played an early game on Friday, and that's probably the difference in these numbers. Well, that's definitely the difference in these numbers. So Mississippi State for game number one on Friday, 8,826. For game number two on Saturday night, biggest crowd of the weekend in the state of Mississippi, 11,511. And then last night for the regional final game against Miami, 9,014. For a weekend total of 29,351, almost 30,000 people in Starkville for three baseball games this weekend. Now for Ole Miss... Game one, it was a night game on Friday night, 9,810. And I saw some of the reaction, let me back up just a second, I saw some of the reaction to Mississippi State folks online, and they go, no way the crowds weren't bigger than that. that. That's what everybody says. The exact same reaction for the Ole Miss attendance numbers when they were announced, no way there weren't more people there. These are the paid attendance numbers that the schools reported to the NCAA and were in the box scores. And don't you probably underreport a little bit? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, people like to say, oh, you underreport because you're trying to take money from the NCAA. My guess is there's some way to audit that, but I don't know. Ole Miss, game one, Friday night, 9,810. Saturday night, about 300 people more, 10,037. Sunday, last night, 8 o'clock first pitch, 9,505 for a weekend total of 29,000. 352, there was a grand total of one person difference between the Ole Miss attendance numbers and the Mississippi State attendance numbers for the weekend. That's wild. I mean, just if, if you're a state fan today, you're just like, I could have come and we would have had more than them. God. Oh, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to make it a competition. No, 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 that, that's I'm, not the point of this. No, no, no. But yeah, the, the numbers are. The, I mean, the point there is, just isn't a state that that supports college baseball the way Mississippi does. It just isn't. Yeah, the, the the point in all of this is basically, 
60,000 people watched six baseball games, three in Oxford, three in Starkville, that were separated by, what, 95 miles? And this doesn't even take into account the fact that Southern Miss took a bunch of fans to Baton Rouge for a road regional this weekend. It really is remarkable. It's weird watching on television because you watch a game like I watched after I got home from Ole Miss's game. I guess Saturday I watched LMU and UCLA. Yeah. And it looked like that game was kind of crazy. It came down to the very end and they were showing crowd shots and it looked like a pretty like raucous environment because LMU close by brought a lot of people and it looks pretty loud and cool, but then it's like you kind of realize it's like a third of the game you just attended in the state of Mississippi, probably a little less than a third. Like it's like three thirty two hundred people. John Savage in his interview, they did a long kind of half inning interview, and he said something about the crowd. He's like, you know, what an unbelievable baseball environment. What are there two thousand twenty five hundred people here? And he's like, I know it's not ten or eleven thousand. He's like, I just don't believe there's a better atmosphere anywhere. For college baseball than what we've got right here at Jackie Robinson Stadium. Oh, welcome to the show, buddy. Uh, yeah, John. You had a really good atmosphere for you, but let's not go crazy here. By the way, LMU won that game, and they've got a winner-take-all game tonight in Los Angeles with the number one overall seed, UCLA, on the brink of elimination. Yeah, I was told UCLA could beat Vanderbilt twice. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I'm not seeing that. Not seeing that. Forget about it. Yeah. Those teams would not meet each other until the College World Series Championship Series if it advanced that far. Yeah, like you can't, like, like you can't beat Vanderbilt in like a low-scoring game, which is I feel like UCLA would try to do. I, I don't know. We're a long way from that. I was just pointing that out. Yeah. No, uh, I'm with you. Hey, let's see. We've got like a minute and a half before the break. We're going to dive into all three games from Mississippi State. We'll talk about the weekend. We'll talk about the way it unfolded. Hey, Dad, give me a a 15-second big-picture thought from the weekend in Starkville. Mangum is back. Okay. The, 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 the two guys that were slumping, Mangum and Westberg, had big, big weekends, and now this offense is, is back to, to 100% efficiency, it looks like. And the Mangum being back didn't start until what, Saturday? It started last night. Last night, three for four. He finally got. He finally got on base. Give me, hey, uh, Rippy, a, a big picture thought from Oxford. Um, Ole Miss is continuing to pitch it well, and the offense kind of—I don't want to say woke up because they hit it pretty well at the end of Vanderbilt, but really, top of the order is is producing Thomas Dillard hitting the ball at the ballpark again. And the second part of that, and both of these can be true at once. Holy cow, Clemson and Illinois stink. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> that was your takeaway. Yeah. Oh, me. We've got a lot to uh, get to. We will peel back the onion on the baseball weekend with you this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. I should say peel back the layers of the onion on uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. With you in the Renaissance Bank studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
11 teams have earned their way into a Super Regional. One of those happened just a little while ago with Louisville beating Illinois State in the uh, winner-take-all game of the Louisville Regional. So you've got Vanderbilt and Duke matched up in a Super Regional. Louisville matched up with the winner of the Greenville-North Carolina Regional, and East Carolina looks to be taking care of business. They've got to win one more game against Campbell. They're in control right now in Game 1. Mississippi State's going to meet the winner of the Stanford Regional. Stanford and Fresno State playing a winner-take-all game tonight. North Carolina and Auburn will play each other. It was pointed out over the weekend that uh, Auburn has a chance to eliminate North Carolina in the Sweet 16 for the second time in this athletic year. They did it in basketball as well. They're not doing that without Tanner Burns. Whose regional did Auburn come out of? Charmin's. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I... Like that regional didn't officially end until Sunday, but that regional ended when the kid hit the walk off Saturday night. Yes, that that's, broke that's the gut the punch loss that you can't come back from. I mean, that was—I thought that was going to be the most brutal. Do you of, think they used quilted northern to wipe their tears on Saturday night? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. It was probably yeah. a little softer than sandpaper, but that was uh I thought that was going to be the most brutal of the weekend. But I think Bloms to put out West Virginia Ooh. took the cake. That's like the ultimate five-year-old backyard kid. I mean, it was three, two, two outs, bases at the I mean, bottom that, of the ninth. That, down that's by three. it. You're down three, yeah. bottom of the ninth, two outs, three, two. Throw me the pitch with the wiffle ball. Boom! I got it! <laughs> Bryce Blum walked Texas A&M off, and then they immediately turned around and got beat by uh, Duke. The best the part all, about that one was, that was all the runs was they could muster for the whole weekend, hardly. It Holy was hit cow. to an area of the ballpark to where you could see A&M's bullpen, and those cats were running yeah. out of the bullpen before the ball landed. Like, And one of them beat Blom home. They were hauling out of the bullpen. And he had a mega bat flip. He knew it was gone. Yeah, no, the Oklahoma State bat flip, though, was the... Oh, yeah, that was the biggest one of the weekend. Yeah, that was athletic. Um, Florida State and LSU will meet in a regional. Florida State goes from last four in to just making mincemeat of Georgia in the Athens regional. I can surprise you guys. Yes. How could it not? Yeah. How could hey, it by not? the way, did you, did, did you like that I never really backed away from the Georgia Tech take? I just You guys had a you lot of fun it. with that. And I just owned, owned it. it. Just sat back and waited for the... Uh, That's another t-shirt we're printing. Well, we weren't like... like It wasn't like making fun of the take. It was just how violently you squatted on it. <laughs> and it proved to be correct. <laughs> There's a toilet it. paper reference that goes along <laughs> with what you just said. What, well, what did he say? Georgia, Georgia's a multi-layered some, pun right there. <laughs> yeah. Georgia's, uh, Two ply. Georgia's probably got some soul-searching. Back-to-back years as a national seed, lose at home. you probably got three kids that are going to pitch in the bigs, at least two, and mm. you don't make it out. And mm. they got pummeled twice. Baton Rouge Regional was really entertaining. Just a heck of a run by Southern Miss. I mean, you want to talk about fighting to the very last out. They did that. LSU, though, uh, sweeps through the Baton Rouge Regional. Ole Miss wins in Oxford. They will meet Arkansas in a Super Regional. Uh, Texas Tech swept through their regional. They will meet the winner of Nebraska-Oklahoma State tonight. Is that right? That's a winner-take-all game, right, with Nebraska and Oklahoma State? Yes. Yes. Um, Oregon State gets bounced to and barbecue in Corvallis. Michigan and Creighton will play tonight in a winner-take-all game, and UCLA against LMU tonight in Los Angeles. It'll be a raucous atmosphere for that one. 
Hundreds Sorry. gathered. All, all 3,000 of them. Yeah. yeah some uh, uh, Vanderbilt guy. Um, Anchor of gold. Yeah, it's their so, SB Nation blog, too. So not even just oh. some random dude. Like, they have a oh, website. Really? Yeah. Um, so he what took he exception to me pointing out the Twitter, the uh, attendance numbers in Starkville and Oxford. He said, I see it's, quote, use attendance figures as a flex, close quote, day on Twitter.com. And I just responded with, actually, it's more of a wow. Mississippi gives a big damn about college baseball day on Twitter.com. Just an observation. I wouldn't. It's not attendance. some heat for this, and I don't get it. Who's mad? Brandon Marcello Uh, is mad. uh, Why? The Vandy nerd who just shoved in a locker is very upset, apparently. What, What does Brandon Marcello say? Uh, his first, he quoted your tweet. Yes, fifty-eight thousand seven hundred three different people. No one was the same. The same people did not go to more than one game. It was as big as a football game. Then he replies again. You can count on this every year. Every year, three schools bragging about attendance at baseball regionals: Arkansas, LSU, and Mississippi State. At some point, when this has been going on for twenty plus years, when does it stop being? I don't know. News that people attend a game. I don't see. Okay. Good to see he's putting out the big fires on the internet this morning. <laughs> I mean, talk like, I about being it. mad. Like, why are you so angry? I mean, what, what? What happened? And Auburn's still playing. I don't. I don't get it. Oh, I could see how this guy's permanently angry. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the same thing you did. It, it, it was like just a random observation. I, I just don't get it. I don't get the Why anger does that sometimes. Make you mad? But oh, Auburn will put eighty-five thousand though in Jordan Hare, and there will be sixty thousand at Ole Miss and Mississippi State in the fall, and that will be used as a shame. I promise. I don't know. I just don't get it. I like Brandon, so, but so, so, so Twitter.com has now become a place where you just point out just a fact, and all of a sudden it's a. How dare you? Where have you been since oh nine, buddy? That's how it got like <laughs> That's accepted. How t- that's how this this thing took off. Okay, fair enough. Um, you need to get the uh, the baseball flex. And I know you weren't trying to use it as a flex, but the baseball attendance angry people with the spring football attendance angry people maybe have them like LARP somewhere. <laughs> LARP. We've been over this before. You don't know what LARP. We have been is, over this. Yeah. No. <laughs> Moving on. Do I need to do a Google search of LARP? No, no, it's it's no, it's, guy, don't do that. You'll be unhappy. Okay. No, LARP looks like so much fun. Don't don't even it play. Does. It does. <sighs> Game one of the <laughs> Starkville Regional. <laughs> Moving on. Mississippi State Southern it was not yeah. as comfortable as a lot of people thought it might be to begin the regional. No, no, it was very much in doubt. There was a point in that game where. You know, people were tweeting me and, and asking me, you know, is State going to really go through all this pitching? And it's just, State needs to win. They just need to survive this at this point. And they were lucky. Uh, not lucky is not the right word, but they they were fortunate to to get some clutch hitting there at the end and be able to break the game open a little bit and have, before they went too deep into the well of pitching. And of course, all that was started by JT Ginn just experiencing some soreness. Uh, you know, he was pretty sharp prior to that. And... Uh, you know, had he not had to come in or come out, 
you don't have to bring in Brandon Smith completely cold off the bench. He wasn't even in the bullpen warming up. They gave him a few extra tosses, but that you know it's difficult in that situation for a, a freshman to come in and and just be ready to go like that when he hadn't planned on pitching at that point. Probably wasn't planning on pitching at all, to be totally honest. I think State would have held him as a fourth starter, but they had to bring him in at that point. Um, but like I said, State was able to recover. Uh, and they got a they got the win. Although, like you said, it was not it was not the cakewalk. A lot of people may have thought it was going to be uh, walking into the stadium. Central Michigan was a strange team, weren't they? <laughs> they were very strange, <laughs> both figuratively and literally. Uh, you know, they won that first game on uh, on Friday, which didn't completely surprise me. I had the impression they were a pretty good team. Uh, but then they they ran into Ethan Small, who is you know the best pitcher in the country for my money, uh, and he dominated that lineup as you would expect. And State got some uh, some early runs, uh, you know slowed down in the second half of the game. It's sort of similar to that LSU game uh, in Hoover, where State got out to the quick start, and then LSU sort of figured it out after the first pitch, pitching change. Um, but for State, they had, with Ethan Small on the mound, they they didn't give anything up, so it was just an easy a, a pretty easy win, seven to two, uh, on Saturday night, and that put him. Uh, in the position to just win one game and, and call a day on Sunday. What was the atmosphere like in the stadium last night? Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of anticipation. The Miami goes up one nothing on an ah, – man, that ball was crushed. I have seen four or five of the deepest home runs. We talk about the park and the way it's changed for hitters. I'm seeing it in the, in the fact that I'm seeing monster shots into center field. I think this is the fourth or fifth one this year, whereas before you never really saw that. But, you know, and one nothing, and then you, you get Jake Mangum, when he got on base, that was enough. That got everybody going. I mean, it was a real collective sigh of relief. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's 3-1 Mississippi State, and, and they've just got control. Uh, State rolled, I think, three double plays last night, which if you've watched this team, they have not turned to a lot this season. So to get that, that kept the crowd into it. They kept getting out of a couple of, uh, of jams, and then you get into the eighth inning and, and you push, put the game away uh, late. The atmosphere was really, really good, as good as it's been at Mississippi State that in recent memory. Was it was it just was there nervous energy in the stadium, or was it just full on? Everybody's into it. Everybody's excited. There's never a doubt how this is going to end. Type energy. I think I think people were confident last night, even when Miami went up one nothing, that the you know, state was going to get the bats going at some point. Now Miami's pitcher. Uh, Chichini, I think it was. I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. Um, but he was very solid the first trip through the order. 94, 95, State was not making any good contact. But once they got going, once they started getting to him, it, it went down pretty pretty quick for him. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. We'll continue the discussion of the Starkville Regional and begin to look ahead toward next weekend. Mississippi still st- waiting to figure out who their opponent will be. Ceasefire text line is open to you. That number is 601-879-4395. That's how you can connect with the show. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Ceasefire customer inspired. Glad to have you along this afternoon. You can also tweet the show at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Um... Game one in Starkville. Just afternoon start on Friday. Mississippi State ultimately wins that game eleven to six. They jump out to a one to nothing lead. Uh, it's two to one after three innings. Uh, Southern takes the lead in the game with three runs in the fourth. They're ahead four to two. 
Mississippi State answers with four runs in the bottom of the fifth inning. Never trailed again in the game. Um, although it was tied at six going into the top of the seventh inning, Mississippi State scores five runs late in the ball game and uh, and pulls away. You mentioned soreness for uh, JT again. He throws only three innings, three hits, one unearned run around uh, allowed. He struck out three, walked none. He had thirty two pitches. Heard Chris Lamona say that he talked to JT about whether or not he wanted to go back in. He again wanted to continue to pitch. They decided not to do it. Then it's Brandon Smith, then Jared Liebelt, then Cole Gordon with two innings to uh, to close it out at the end. What's the level of concern with JT Ginn going into the Super Regional round? There's definitely some concern, for sure. Uh, I asked Lamonis last night after the game if he had any indication about JT, and he said that you know he had no indication whatsoever. And as uh, my podcast partner pointed out, Joel Coleman, he said, you know, when, when you've talked about injuries in the past with Lamonis, like previously with JT, and they, they said, oh, we're, we're, he, he's coming along, he'll be back, he'll be back. And then when Elijah McNamee was out, oh, we're optimistic, we, you know, we'll have him back for the regionals, but we're optimistic. And then last night it was just, I don't really have an update on that, I don't know. So that leads me to believe that there's there's a possibility that Ginn is, is actually hurt this time around and, and could be a uh, could be on the shelf for, for, you know, I don't know for how long. If it's just soreness, obviously your best-case scenario for Mississippi State is to just go out there on Friday, Saturday, or whenever, game one, game two, pitch small and plumbly and get out of there and, and, and on to Omaha, and then maybe you can give Ginn an extra week of rest. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not, I would not be 100% confident in telling you that JT Ginn is going to pitch his normally scheduled start this weekend. Hey, Dad, is it? Is it shoulder soreness? Is it elbow soreness? Is it a bicep that hurts? Have you gotten any indication, or are they just saying he's got arm soreness? When it was the previous uh, incident, it was tricep. It was his tricep soreness, and that was that was just bothering him. And and so I don't know if this is a flare-up of that or if this is a new issue, one way or the other. They, they did, did not give us any kind of uh, specificity. I think that's the right word. Uh, I try not to use the big words too often. Uh, but they didn't tell us one way or the other. So if it's just a, a rehash of the old injury and, or if it's something new that's cropped up, I, I'm not sure one way or the other. I just know that as of this moment that, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, if we can get Coach Lamonis on in the next couple of days, I think we're going to try to do that. He can give us some more info. But right now, like I said, it's, it's very much up in the air. This first popped up, what, the weekend of the Tennessee series or was it mm-hmm. the week before that? Week of the Tennessee series. Uh, he missed his schedule start on Saturday uh, and then came back on Sunday and only threw one inning, uh, and they didn't feel comfortable with where he was. Uh, he missed that start, but then he came back the next week and started it against, I think it was Alabama at that point, and, uh, and, and has been in the, the rotation ever since. Uh, and just like this is just I, I, that's why I don't know if it's a, if it's a new thing or, or what because he had you know he hasn't had a really long outing uh, in the second half of the season you know he's basically yeah. been around five six innings at best um, so I don't like I said I, I just don't know at this time we'll have to get some more information when we can so Jake Mangum you said he's back he was 0 for nine to start the regional 0 for five in game one 0 for four in game two last night goes three for four with uh, with two runs scored. After the game, did did he talk about feeling like there was any pressure, or can we all just kind of chalk it up to even with really good hitters, you occasionally have stretches where you don't swing it as well? And that's been the message all year for Mississippi State. When anybody who's been in a slump, when Tanner Allen was slumping, when Rowdy Jordan was slumping, Westberg being in a slump, 
is they all just they, they give you the Ron Polk line. That's just, that's just how baseball works sometimes. You know, you could see the relief in Mangum when he got on base. I mean, he just, he, if you if you didn't see the hit, Richard, I mean, he may have he really crushed it. It may have gone four feet off <laughs> off of the tip of the bat, uh, but he beats out the infield single. And when the when the umpire <laughs> signals safe, yeah, signals safe. Uh, the you know, the crowd is just going crazy. He finally got on board. And if you there's a there's a funny. Uh, I say Jif. I don't know what anybody else says, but of him just giving the most sarcastic thumbs up back to the dugout, like I did it. I got on base. I'm back. And then at his next two at bats, he puts a solid single in the left, and then he rips a double into center. And yeah, you could just see that he looked more like himself at the plate after that. He looked like the Jake Mangum we, we've come to know. So I think I think it was obviously weighing on him, and, and but I think that weight's gone now. Ethan Small goes to nine and two on the year, six innings, five hits, two earned runs, three walks, ten strikeouts through ninety nine pitches in the uh, in the game. Really, no need for him to go deeper than he did in the ball game. Is that that's accurate? It's what six to yeah. nothing when he comes out. Six two, but they 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 okay. had the game pretty much in hand. They felt pretty comfortable, I would think. Central Michigan just wasn't doing a whole lot and. I think if it had been a, a close game or something, they they felt like they needed to push another inning out of him. They could have done it, but they didn't feel like they had that need, and so they 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 went to the bullpen and and sort of took it from there. And all do you think Ethan Small will will throw on Friday this week? Yes, I do. I do think he'll be the game one starter. Absolutely. The would would the preference be for Fresno State to be the team that comes to Starkville? <laughs> You know, it's funny you ask that because I think obviously you would think, yeah, you don't want to play the the one seed. You'd like to play the lesser seed, but that's what happened in 2016. You know, Arizona won the Louisiana Lafayette sub regional and came to Starville. Everybody's like, oh man, so glad we didn't have to play the one seed. Blah blah blah. And of course, Arizona walks out here with win. So I mean, this time of year, everybody's good. And Fresno State is a really hot baseball team right now. They've won, uh, a, a, I think it's like nine out of the last ten or something like that, going into last night's game with Stanford. So, both those teams are pretty good. Uh, I think if you had to make a choice, you'd rather play the lower-seeded team, but either one of those teams is fully capable of coming to Startville and making life very interesting for Mississippi State. Yeah. And you get to a Super Regional. I mean, the the absolute definition of anything can happen, and yeah. you've seen it in, in both directions with teams from the state of Mississippi. You've seen Mississippi State – what was it, back in the mid-2000s? They host Clemson. Both games are at noon. Massive crowds. Boom, boom, two games. And if I remember correctly, Ole Miss was in a Super Regional that year as well. Mississippi State had punched its ticket to Omaha before Ole Miss had thrown a pitch in the Oxford Regional. Yeah. But but then the other side of it is what you, you talk about as well. The the name that, that will live kind of in infamy is what, Bobby Dahlbeck? Bobby Dahlbeck, yeah. Gosh. Made a lot of money playing in Starkville that week. <laughs> he, he certainly, certainly did. And, and so these things can go either way. And, and you've seen it with with Ole Miss, um, the the 2005 Ole Miss team that was just absolutely loaded. And they win game one against Texas, and then lose the next two. And it was the it was kind of rinse and repeat for Ole Miss for the uh, what for three straight years in a super regional. Win game one, lose the two games on the backside with Texas. And then um, was it Texas and Miami? And then the following year they went to Tempe and lost two to Arizona State. And then two years later, 
I guess it was maybe 09, had Virginia and did the same thing. Won the first game and then lost the, the second two games. Right. The one time in this Mike Bianco era where Ole Miss has gotten to the College World Series, it was go on the road, lose game one, and then turn around and win the two games on the uh, on the backside. It's a weird time Polk of the guy. year, but it sure is a lot of fun. That Ron Polk guy might know what he's talking about when he says that's baseball. I mean, it's just a crazy game sometimes, and you just don't ever know what's going to happen. You just got to put yourself in the best position, and you know, the state has done that by, by at least you know they're playing at home. They don't have to travel. Not going to be you know in any unusual situations. So they have that going for them. They're playing well right now. We'll see if they can continue into to, to next weekend. Tony in Columbia asks a question on the C Spire text line. He says, hey, Dad, any idea why Colby White only gets one inning? Seems to be so dominant, not only last night, but all year. I mean, honestly, you watch the way he throws the ball consistently, 94, 96 miles an hour. I mean, he's really pumping it in there, man. I don't know how much. They, they gave him, I remember one start, one game they gave him a second inning, and he just wasn't as effective. So he, he's just one of those guys that can come in, blow gas for in an inning, and and that that's it. He's the setup guy for Cole Gordon. So you know, I don't know. If, I, I I don't think it's a stamina thing. I think he could go, but he just has not been effective when they have given them the extra inning. Strider in Indianola makes a uh, reference to the um, the LARP comment earlier. He says the show was Sans Dick without Richard when you covered LARP. He says it's always funnier in his absence. I did Google art LARP live action role play. Yeah. So a bunch of nerds get together and dress up and hit each other with, like, foam swords. Or they could be, you know, Star Wars guys. You know, they could be so like yeah, a medieval like festival. Wars. Basically, yeah, that, yes. Yeah, that's it. Yes, yes. Uh, man, that sounds fun. See if I can find a LARP festival coming up this weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along this afternoon. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Southern Miss. I, uh, it's kind of hard not to be impressed with the way they finished out the regular season. Uh, or, or maybe I should say the postseason. To be on the brink of not only losing Game 1 of the Conference USA Tournament, but having their season come to an end. And they come back and win at 6-4 to with a walk-off win in 10 innings to beat Rice. And then they beat Marshall. And then they no-hit Rice. And then they shut out Florida Atlantic, who ends up as a two-seed in the Athens Regional. And then they score... In game one on Friday, wildly entertaining game in Baton Rouge, playing Arizona State. So Southern Miss is the three, Arizona State's the two. They scored 12 runs in one inning. Down one to nothing going to the top of the fifth. Southern Miss hangs a 12 spot on Arizona State. And they end up winning 15 to three. If I remember correctly, too, on that 12 spot, 10 of them came with two outs. Yes, including... The one of the longest home runs I have ever seen in my life. Richard, he hit the national champions banner beyond the stands in right field. It was four hundred and eighty feet. The billboard? The billboard. Yeah. Hit the hit billboard the in the yeah. air. 
It went 460 feet. I thought it was 480, but whatever. Splitting hairs. Yeah, moonshot. Holy cow. You know, the ball kind of jumps at Alec Box this time of year, but that's taking it to a different level. I think they call that billboard the Intimidator. The Intimidator, Would it have yeah. gone that far at the old Alex box? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's got the same mystique. Jeez. Uh, so Southern Miss turns around and plays uh, LSU on Saturday night. LSU wins that game 8-4. to four. They have to turn around and play Arizona State again yesterday in the early game. And Southern Miss is down eight runs. They are down 10 to two going to the bottom of the fifth inning. They chip away, put four runs on the board, make it 10 six. Arizona State scores two more. It's 12 to six. Then Southern Miss gets three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. And in the bottom of the ninth inning, four runs. Uh, a bases loaded hit by pitch, a sacrifice fly, and a two run single from Montenegro to walk it off and win 13 to 12. And then last night, Southern Miss has to, uh, they have to meet LSU. And it's good. You knew it was going to be a difficult task because they were going to have to turn around. They were going to have to beat LSU last night and then turn around and try and beat them again today. Southern Miss actually had a lead late in the ball game. Uh, what in the seventh inning? Is that right? Yeah. Yes, sir. LSU jumped out to a three to nothing lead. It was three to one after four. Southern Miss put three runs on the board in the fifth inning to go up four to three, and then LSU strikes for three runs in the seventh inning. A uh, Zach Watson two run single, and then uh, Saul Garza double that scored Watson pushed the lead out to six to four, and uh, LSU gets the win. And how about the fact that LSU? The Baton Rouge Regional is paired up with the Athens Regional. Georgia is a complete no-show in their home park. And now LSU is at home for a Super Regional with, despite the way they played this weekend, pretty average Florida State team trying to get back to the College World Series. Well, like nine of the last 11 times LSU's host, the opposing one seed it was paired with is lost. Good for really? you. We were trying to figure that up see, in the press box last night, which is absurd, honestly. Glad to see a plucky underdog finally get a break. Yeah. They deserve yeah, good, it. Good, good to see LSU catching some breaks. But no, I mean, it, I mean, let's be honest, though, for a second. You, you looked at the regional in Baton Rouge, and you go, first of all, that's not an easy field. LSU's been playing better baseball. But number two, you fully, 100%, expected Georgia as the team that we watched all season long, hey, Dad, you may be the only guy on the planet that at any point this year had a negative impression of Georgia. Yeah. And you said after the weekend in Starkville, they didn't even look like a postseason team. Yeah. And just think, you know, we we raised our noses at uh, where State was seated nationally. You know, if they had been in Georgia's spot right now, LSU would be coming to uh, to Starkville this weekend. You... um, after crinkling your nose, are you kind of pleased with where you are when it's all said and done? I think the maroon and white faithful are quite happy with the uh, current setup. You're saying you would rather have either Stanford or Fresno State coming to Starkville this weekend than LSU coming back one more time? 
that would be accurate. Yeah, I thought that was uh, was accurate. <laughs> One hour in the books. We'll get to winners and losers when we come back on this Monday afternoon with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. The Monday after the regionals ended in the state of Mississippi. You've got a few that are happening today. Coming into the day, 10 of the 16 super regional spots were occupied. You have added one more to the list as Louisville won earlier over Illinois State to advance to the super regional round. East Carolina's got to beat Quinnipiac again. UCLA and LMU are playing tonight. Uh, you get Michigan Creighton playing tonight, Oklahoma State and Nebraska playing tonight, and Stanford Fresno State. So those are all the games that will be on uh, this afternoon or tonight. The, I, I'm sorry, let me back up. It's Connecticut and Oklahoma State, not Nebraska and Oklahoma State. Uh, if you want to watch that one, it's on ESPNU coming up at six o'clock. So those are all the games that are going on, and by late tonight we will have the 16 Super Regional teams locked in, and then you'll get the schedule as well. And uh, we were talking earlier about Super Regional, when Mississippi State's going to play, when Ole Miss is going to play. The answer is, we don't know yet. You will have four Super Regionals that go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and four that go Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I can't find anywhere that it's been announced which four or which. Right? I think I don't think they'll announce anything until all the games have been played. Yeah. So you may get a, a late night or early morning announcement of uh, what's coming up. We'll certainly talk about that and really dive in to start previewing those tomorrow. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online. MSLandBank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs, maybe you're a farmer with equipment needs, need to buy a new tractor or a new attachment, uh, need to get a combine or a cotton picker or just a new trailer, whatever it is for the farm, Mississippi Land Bank can help with the financing of that. Also, if you're buying new land, refinancing an existing loan, need a production loan, or maybe you want to build a house in the country, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Time right now for winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. All right, winners and losers from the weekend. Borky, I'm sure you're going to go off the radar, so I'll let you start today. How about that? Uh, yeah, but not NBA this time, I promise. One hey! Of, <laughs> one of our listeners. So I went to a wedding on Saturday, and it was a big wedding uh, downtown at a big venue. But it was one of those weddings where at, at dinner, there was not assigned seating, so you just kind of grab food and sat wherever. And I sat with two of my friends across the table from a couple of women, and they were sisters. And, you know, you get to talking to strangers, and uh, they ask what I do, and I tell them what I do. And one of them says, hold on, let me text my husband really quick. And she said, do you know who Michael Borky is? And he said, oh, you mean that guy from Karate Kid? (laughs) (laughs) So pretty good own via text message from one of our listeners. That uh, That is fantastic. 
Hey, Dad, give me a winner. And new heavyweight champion of the world, Anthony Ruiz. Not what I mean? Look at this guy. He is my champion. He has inspired me that you can do anything, no matter your body size. He went in there and just beat up a guy that everybody was saying was the best heavyweight in the world, Anthony Joshua. And now he is the heavyweight champion of the world, which you know, there was a time when you said that and it really carried some weight. When Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali was the heavyweight champion of the world, we'll see if this guy can uh, spark some, some more casual interest in the sport of boxing. Look, are you a boxing guy? I used to be, man, but now I just don't, I just don't watch as much anymore because there's no there's the big names out there. Deontay Wilder has sort of gotten me back into it. I enjoy watching him fight. The Alabama native, yeah, yeah, just just down the road. Um, okay, I'm not a boxing guy, but I've watched title bouts through the years. Yeah, y- you can tell me that this is a dumb, dumb question. Is there any debate as to the as to who the greatest heavyweight champion of all time is? Not for me. It's Ali, and it's not close. It's, it's, there's some, you can make arguments for other guys, especially Tyson in his prime. Well, I mean, I, mean, I guess that's what I was going to get at. And, and, and you know, forgive me if that's an ignorant question, because I do know that there are boxing fans out there. And if you think it's somebody besides Muhammad Ali, I'd love to hear from you on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. I didn't know if there was an argument for Joe Lewis, if there was an argument for Rocky Marciano, if you're a Tyson guy, if there was somebody else kind of through history that you think, no, Yes, Muhammad Ali gets all the publicity, but I actually think this was the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. To, to me, Ali is the number one. Okay. Just based on dominance? Dominance, and I mean, knowing that, you know, he lost a couple of years of his prime there due, due to political issues, and yeah, I mean, he, he was, and he was just transcendent of the sport. You know, he, he was bigger. When you're bigger than your sport, I'm going to give you the, you know, the greatest uh, label there. Why has he been idolized and canonized the way he has? Because if you dig a little bit deeper, you find some stuff that shows you he was not a great dude. I, I don't know. I mean, but, I mean, he, he just, I guess at the end of the day, he was that weird combination. Sometimes, you know, when, when politics and sports mixes, as you know, doesn't go well. But for him, for whatever reason, it, it went okay. It, it made him bigger than his sport. Fair enough. Rippy, give me a winner. Um, I'll go humanity. Um, so the Ortega brothers made their trip back to Oxford today. It was uh, or this past weekend. I got to meet them and eat breakfast with them on Saturday, but uh, they had a hell of a weekend. Uh, people generously reached out, and like the entire like we had to start turning people away. The entire trip was paid for by a number of good Samaritans. Sounds like they had a cool weekend. I got a bunch of pictures of them from people teaching them how to eat crawfish in the outfield to a bunch of other different things they couldn't they were like celebrities they couldn't go anywhere without someone asking for a picture like i saw them like walking in line or whatever because i heard someone else yell out their name and that's kind of how i ran into them on friday so cool story um does that mean you have the midas touch you have the ability to make people stars um, I didn't do anything. I think you wrote it was, the yeah. story. Yeah, but they did all the work. They saved all the money and go like came across the country and all that. And then uh, Jim Flanagan, the guy in the story from uh, Clinton, helped bring them back. But a cool deal. I think they had fun. Um, 
I think their Ole Miss is undefeated when they're... Yeah, they swept Florida and now have won three in a regional. Does that mean somebody's offering to foot the bill to get them to Fayetteville next weekend? <laughs> I hadn't run that one by them yet, but uh, they had a cool weekend, but uh, I was happy to see them able to come back. That's uh, that's a really neat story. Um, trying to decide if, you know, is it boring to go with pitching or... Uh, I Just go with attendance. <laughs> Attendance in the state of Mississippi that nearly 60,000 people showed up. Do we need to give a caveat that it wasn't necessarily 60,000 individual people, that there was carryover with the people who game to game? Sorry. Why did people get so that. angry about a very innocent tweet about attendance numbers? It's the internet, man. I can't yeah, wait to read still. Ripley's article about you know the top ten uh, Sunday regional games at Ole Miss. <laughs> I'm taking on that right now. Um, Ole Miss is starting pitching. Been quite good. They've gotten 30 innings in the last combined four outings from Etheridge and Casey. That probably will work. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the the one two over the weekend was Will Etheridge going seven innings and giving up one run. And then Doug Nikhazy following it up with eight innings and two runs. And did the exact like exact same numbers in Hoover for the two of them. Seven and eight. Huh. And if you put those together, that's 30. Did that on my own. Would, would you have believed that Ole Miss would have swept through the regional this weekend in Oxford without pitching Parker Caracy? Uh Well, they threw him against Clemson on Saturday in the ninth. Did he throw? That's yeah. right. But, I, I but to that. your point, that he didn't have to. It was a 6-1 game. So, yeah. like, your point is still, like, well stated. Um, Maybe I should have said without needing to throw Parker Curry. Yes. But, uh, no, I, I guess I wouldn't have believed that. But um, then I watched Clemson and Illinois play baseball for an extensive <laughs> period of time. Borky, give me a loser. Texas football. So, <laughs> they put this on Twitter today. six Or yesterday, I guess it was. Success on the field, prepared off the field. More than football, highest semester GPA in team history. With a big graphic that has the number 2.89 on it. What's what wrong with the 2.89 GPA? Hey, man, they're on track to get degrees. That's all that matters. There's nothing wrong degrees. with it. You just don't really celebrate it. Hey, Dad, give me a loser. You got, me, you got me wanting to look what states is. I know because they always, nobody you know, cares. Come on, well, give saying, me a loser, you know, hey dad. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Oregon State. Come on, two and Q in your own regional like that. The defending national champions get 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 run off the field that way. Come on, that, that's embarrassing for me. And that's a program that you know looked like last year they were about to make maybe another little run forward into a college baseball dominance. But this was a tough year for them. Okay, cool. Hook them. Other loser, the umpire that tossed the kid from Louisville. We'll get into that story in just a little bit. Sports Talk Mississippi will also look at the Oxford Regional when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Got a text message that said, uh, here's another loser for you on the list. They say ESPN for scheduling Ole Miss and LSU and Mississippi State Regional Finals for, well, actually doesn't say, it says Ole Miss and LSU Regional Finals for 8 p.m. start times and only streaming them uh, streaming them on ESPN3. What is the reason for the late start on a Sunday night? Is it just television but they they they're not on television. So No. So I mean obviously all the games are available on the ESPN app. 
the rationale there is they wanted to wait and see who won to give themselves options on which games to put on television, linear television. Okay. Um, Can't you do that at noon? Do what at noon? Still wait and see and make your decisions then? If you're streaming them all anyway, how hard is it to just grab one for your broadcast? I mean, how long does it take you to make that kind of a decision is my question. And why go 3 and 8 versus like noon and 5? Yeah. I don't know all the answers to those questions. There were a handful of games that were played at noon, and then there were games that played at 3, and then games that were played at 8. I think there were a couple that started maybe in the 6 o'clock range as well and finished a little bit earlier. Um, I, I I don't know the answer or the answers to those questions. Um, I mean, I get the noon and 3 staggering, basically given a three-hour window for a game, uh, but I'm not sure on the other. Uh, I, I get the frustration that was there, and there were a lot of people moving slow this morning, myself included. Uh, what time did you get home last night, Rippy? Two. No, 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 one thirty. Actually, no, two. Hey, Dad. I can't remember. One thirty-two, uh, something like that. I, I was in bed by two. Yeah, I uh, I got home about twelve thirty, but it was one of those like after three days of two games a day, I just wanted to kind of like exhale. So I sat down in my office once I got home and just kind of sat in the chair and flipped channels for a little while and then like watched a Billions episode, the most recent one, and then shut it down about two as well. So um, I get that. And, I mean, there were a lot of people that had to drive last night, too. Game ends at midnight, give or take, and then you got an hour and a half, two hour, two and a half hour drive to get home. I, I understand that it's difficult, so I don't know. I sat back down and wondered if I had, like, Accidentally cut myself somewhere if some Red Bull would leak out. You'd have I that was, much. Oh, I was wired. <laughs> so you didn't immediately go to sleep when you got home. It's about a three thirty. Uh, Ooh. Uh, you know, kind of actually falling asleep thing. Yeah, it was not not great. I should have cut off after one. Uh, let's see here. Nah, that's not not where I want to go. Um. All right, so the Ole Miss Regional. I mean, your observation a second ago was that Illinois and Clemson were bad baseball teams. I say that, but like at the same time, Ole Miss is playing really, really, really well. Um, and I think it's just a continuation, like as far as the storyline, it's just a continuation of kind of how this team righted the ship from um, the end of the regular season and kind of what happened in Hoover. So Bianco described it as a dark place that his group was in after uh, – you know, or when they headed to Knoxville or lost the first two in Knoxville, and they still can't really put their finger on something changing. I kind of have a working theory that, you know, they win the 2-1 game against Missouri. There was a loss sandwiched in between to Arkansas, but then you win a one nothing game against Texas A&M to stay alive. Parker Caracy kind of looks more like he had looked for the, you know, last 18 months. And things just kind of started going their way. They got a timely hit or two. They had some good luck. And um, that, and it was interesting that, they're playing, I've said this for a week and a half now, but they're playing looser. Mike Bianco, at least publicly, is acting looser. Um, and he kind of got asked a little bit about it last night, and he never kind of full-on said, yeah, I was being too tight. He phrased it as, I think for a while I pushed the wrong button 
and now I'm pushing the right one. Whatever you want to make of that. But look, they. they I asked him in they, the post or d- during the in game interview last night. You know, we, we do the with the coach during the game. I said, you've talked a lot about wanting your team to have fun in the last couple of weeks. It seems to be working. Did you realize that meant you were going to have a player dressed as a ninja turtle? and your Friday night starter wearing red tube socks on his ear pretending he's Clifford the Big Red Dog. He cracked up on the air about that. He's like, yeah, I I don't really know how you go back from that. Well, I was actually, you brought up a really good point, because that was kind of my next, I guess, segue was, they're having a lot of fun in the dugout. They're a lot more lively, but it's, 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 I think it's a reflection of Bianco, because he's a lot looser, he's, kind of self-deprecating at times he's smiling a lot more cracking jokes and I, I watched an old miss sports productions like video clip of after they beat clemson on saturday and he was like talking to them in the outfield and he's like look like this is where you want to be i have no idea what happens tomorrow but i think we can like i think we can finish it let's have fun this whole thing is going to be fun and i don't know what the message was last year after they beat tennessee tech the first time but i, I might wager that it wasn't exactly that and so I think there was some kind of fundamental change along those lines, and it's I think their plays reflective of it. And is that a demeanor that he can hold on to going forward? I think success makes it easier to hold on to. I think he's, I think he and the team collectively is kind of relaxed and rather kind of. And then and I wrote a little bit about this last night. Rather just kind of focusing on the impending result, or you know what happens if, if this doesn't happen. They're just kind of enjoying and staying in the present moment. Because you remember last night they loaded the bases in the first two innings. And this isn't the perfect example because Jacksonville State was way overmatched. But they loaded the bases twice or three times and only scored one run out of it or whatever. And you're kind of thinking, okay, you know, in the past maybe they make an error and let Jacksonville State score two or three. And, you know, who knows after that. But they just kind of stayed the course and kept hitting. And, you know, it turned into a laugher. Not the perfect example because, you know, Jacksonville State walked a billion hitters and, you know, really just didn't have the pitching to kind of compete in a game like that. But I think there's something to that, and the results are showing. Um, we had to do a couple of post-game interviews to kind of wrap up for SCCSports.com or whatever last night. And in talking with Mike Bianco, I asked him, I said, I know it's in the past, and you don't want to spend a lot of time looking back. But does this win in this setting tonight allow you to finally move completely past the disappointment of a season ago and not have to talk about that anymore? And his response was, amen. And then he he, he expounded on that, and he said, look, you know, we've not dwelled on that, but it's always been there. I think the disappointment of losing the two games to Tennessee Tech in some ways was an anvil around the neck of this Ole Miss team that they had to carry and could not get rid of until they won a regional. And frankly, they really needed to win the regional in the place where they lost it a year ago, which was at Swayze and happened last night. Yeah, I actually wrote that exact same thing last night. I think you're exactly right on that. Um, I don't know if it... like. Bianco's been pretty adamant that that's not really what motivates him because it's a new team and all of that. But there have been kind of fleeting moments throughout the year where some of the players have let on that, you know, it's there subconsciously. I don't think it necessarily dominates their focus, but it's always there. And, you know, when you have such like a steep fall like that, I think there was some complacency maybe or some impatience in the regular season. You know, it's difficult to kind of get back up for a 56-game season when you know really the only way to rectify what happened last year is in June. 
And so I think they probably battled some of that. But, you know, as far as putting it to bed now, yeah, I think it's definitely behind them. It's still part of the team's story until the season ends. But I think as far as, like, it but, being but a that's thing, no it's no longer hanging. It's no, 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 you're exactly right. It's not their legacy. It's no longer hanging in front of them. I think it's still part of the story, but it's it's certainly in the rear view now officially. Forky, you agree with that? Yeah, it feels that way. And I was trying to figure it out. I thought about it this morning before I started my podcast. What exactly changed about that team from Friday in Knoxville into even just in Hoover into now? Because other than putting Thomas Dillard in the leadoff spot, which has worked out very well, he's, what, hitting almost 500 since they moved him to the leadoff spot? He's got 1,100 OPS since moving there. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, That'll play in, in most situations, I imagine. But... Um, it's not just that, obviously, but that's the only actual like baseball change they made. So it has to be this persona difference. And, and they weren't really doing this kind of stuff all year, at least from what I noticed, but they're doing the, the Ninja Turtle thing in the dugout again. And, and just it, it looks like they're actually enjoying themselves. And, and maybe that's always been that way, and I just I haven't been that observant, but... I didn't see any anybody wearing a Ninja Turtle mask with bats in their back four weeks ago. I, that stuff just didn't happen. So maybe that's what did it. There's having fun again. The uh, Leonardo, by the way. Everything Borky said is 100% true, and it also helps that you know the bullpen started getting people out again. It's easy to have fun when you're playing better. You, sure, you're, you're, but, da- you're dancing around like Ninja but, Turtles and Clifford when you're losing games. and But that. both of those can be true because they did lose a game in between there. They lost to Arkansas and then had three straight elimination games. So I think the, the looseness probably helped them. And they know, blew it. a some huge lead in the that. SEC championship game and turned around and started mashing the ball in their regional. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. We'll talk more about what's coming up next for Ole Miss when we continue after this. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along. Thomas Dillard, you brought him up a second ago. Uh, Borky, you may have brought him up. Rippey mentioned the, the OPS as well. This is a guy that hits a home run on March the 24th, game at Missouri. He hit another one against LSU, and that got him to 10 on the season. And does not hit another one until this weekend. But he hit three this weekend, including two in last night's championship game. Pretty cool moment. First pitch of the game, Ole Miss is the visiting team. The first pitch he sees, he hits it 410, 15, 20 feet, something like that. Did you ever see a measurement? Do they ever mention it? They do not. Uh, it'd be pretty sweet if college baseball had stat cast. It'd be helpful, but no. Um, but yeah, he hit it a long way. Um, and he said he didn't really make a mechanical adjustment, just he took off his batting gloves. Yeah. He mentioned that he took off his batting gloves and he started hitting home runs again. Yep. Said that's a thing that he and Kevin Graham joke about, but they think it works. I don't know. Kevin Graham. If you had Kevin Graham for 10 home runs on the year in February, then take your ticket to the window because I did not. 
So how many did you have? <laughs> I, I don't think I had. I probably if you'd have given me an over under said, five, I'd have probably said Kevin under. Durant. Kid has power, but I didn't figure him cracking the lineup. Um, cracking the lineup this year, but you know, things happened to Elko and Cockrell, and there you have it. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, it, I I don't know what to attribute it to. Um, it wasn't like he was not productive. He just wasn't driving the ball out of the ballpark and driving in a ton of runs in the middle of the order. So Bianco made the move, obviously, to use his you know, plate discipline and on-base percentage is better utilized at the top because he walks a lot. He doesn't strike out a ton, and he gets a lot of hits. He just wasn't driving the ball out of the ballpark. And of course, that kind of all changed this weekend. I don't anticipate him moving out of the leadoff slot, though. Solo home run to start the game. Second at bat, he misses a grand slam by about 15 feet. Hits it just straight away center field. Turns into a sack fly. Third at bat in the fourth inning. Hits a grand slam. Had a double later in the ball game. Drives in seven. Uh, that kind of production from Thomas Dillard makes this team better, especially at the top of the order. Greg Kessinger, the guy that swung the bat like crazy all season long, Got a couple of hits last night, but overall, just a kind of an average regional for him. If they happen to get everybody swinging it well at the same time, then all of a sudden this is a really dangerous baseball team. Yeah. Really dangerous. Well, and the biggest development this weekend offensively, other than Dillard, was Tim Elko. He had four hits, uh, at least, I think maybe five. Five. Five hits, okay. And so, you know, a couple... Well, he went five for seven in the regional. Yeah, and so that's a guy that they couldn't really keep on the field after, you know, the first month or so because he struggled so badly. But that's a powerful right-handed bat, and that gives Bianco, you know, some increased flexibility to... You know, set a lineup against a left-handed pitcher. If they can get him in the lineup, you know, he has a lot more potential. He has the potential to drive the ball out of the ballpark. He offers more upside than say a Jacob Adams or something like that. If if Elko kind of does, you know, end up in the lineup every day, he's Adams is probably the odd man out. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but at the very least, if he's producing, that gives them a right-handed bat off the bench and gives them an option against a left-handed pitcher to kind of put together a powerful lineup. But in that scenario, you got to stick him in right field, don't you? I guess you could potentially DH him, but yeah, you'd stick him in right field and probably put Servideo at second base. What about the region, the uh, Super Regional matchup? I mean, if there were ever a tailor-made draw for Ole Miss to go to Omaha, I'm not saying they're going to go there and win next weekend. This was kind of the draw, right? I mean, you had... I mean, they rolled through the regional, and then, you know, they they're playing a team that they've won three out of five of this year and didn't play a single time at home. There's been one SEC team to win a series at Bomb Stadium since mid-April of 2017, and that's Ole Miss. They've done it twice in their last two trips. Um, so, you know, and I think I read have let have won the last five series against Arkansas. I know it's at least four. I'm not sure it's five. I don't know. It may be five. Um, yeah, so, you know, we've talked about the whole deal between State and Ole Miss and LSU and State and Ole Miss to Arkansas, and they're just kind of being a thing there over the last little bit. And so however much stock you want to put in that, it's a decent draw. But, I mean, it's a place where, you know, Dillard and Kessinger and that whole junior class, they've won both trips they've gone there, and now they're about to make a third. So it's in Hoagland, if you get to a third game and Hoagland's your guy, that's really not a bad matchup against that lineup. And so... I'd give him a pretty good shot at it. Hey, Dad, I know we talked earlier about you prefer Stanford or, or, or Fresno State. 
Do most Mississippi State fans believe that it doesn't matter? That's a good question. Um, I, I don't know that because th- there is a difference between the two teams. One team was obviously thought of higher, been ranked most of the season. It's been, I think, a top five team at some points. Uh, and then there's Fresno State, which is, you know, they're a hot team right now, but they haven't had that same national uh, cachet that Stanford has had this season. So I, I wouldn't say they think there's no difference. I think, like I said earlier, I think if you, had, if you did a poll, they'd want to play Fresno State. Uh, but that said, I don't know that there's a huge difference between the two teams. Well, I, I think more than that, what I meant by doesn't really make a difference. Like most state fans believe the outcome is a trip to Omaha regardless of who the opponent is, right? I think that's the, the, the fan base mentality right now, that they feel that this team is, has found its way back, which we talked about last week, that you know how well they've played after losses. Uh, they they show that, that they're back on back on top of their game, and yeah, if they do what they're supposed to do, they're going to be in Omaha next week. And if I'm looking at the bracket correctly, then if Mississippi State wins its super regional, their first game in Omaha would get, be against either North Carolina or Auburn. Am I looking oh, that? That's, yeah, that's correct. So Mississippi State would be on the side of the bracket with Vanderbilt, Duke. Probably East Carolina, Louisville. We'll say Stanford just because they're the higher-ranked team. It could be Stanford or Fresno State, North Carolina, and Auburn. How about the Nerd Bowl next weekend, Duke-Vandy Super? You like that? Yeah. The other side of the bracket, Florida State, LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas Tech, and then three undecideds, either UConn or Oklahoma State, Michigan or Creighton, and UCLA or LMU. Loyola Marymount. That so is if how you Ole Miss, that. say what? That is how you pronounce that, Loyola. I Not Loyola. I struggle struggle with that for years. Um. So if Mississippi State were to get to Omaha, they'll play either North Carolina or Auburn. If Ole Miss were to get to Omaha, they'll play either LSU or Florida State. Ole Miss, LSU, first game in Omaha. What's the attendance record at that, at that stadium? I don't know, but it feels like it would be a big number that night. Yeah. Wait till you get that to that odd. MSU Ole Miss National Championship Series, though. That odd. Super next weekend is going to be two fairly gross color clashes there. FSU and LSU, particularly if FSU goes to, like, old gold, which isn't, like, a bad uniform, but against, like, yellow or purple, be a tough watch. Florida State's all-gold uniforms have gotten better. They, they've softened them. It's like a softer old gold now. It used to be that, like, it was terrible. A few years ago, just horrific. Like dehydrated urine-ish almost. Yes, yes, that's a, that's a, oh, yes, <laughs> that's a, one way to describe it. I mean, you really it was, paint a picture. Well done. Well, it is radio. Um, I guess it's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Ole Miss is not wearing another uniform other than their all-powder blues the rest of the way, right? Someone asked them that last night, and I can't remember if it was Dillard or Cooper Johnson, but he surmised it as that would probably be a bad idea. To change uniforms? Yes. The uniforms are fine. Sure. They're just some other ones in the rotation that are better. And but this ones whole that baseball aren't in the rotation, superstition but, thing. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm not a uniform guy, whatever. Like, I know a good one and a bad one when I see it, but wear whatever you want. Mississippi State rocked those all blacks, didn't they? Last That's night? Right. That's right. As as they do every Sunday and have not lost a Sunday game this year in them. Really? That's going nowhere, yeah. Have not lost a single Sunday game in those black uniforms all season long. Now, I think there's some time, like overall for the past two years, there's something like 24-3 and three or something in those uniforms. It's, it's, they are, the, the record is good. Huh. Good for you. You should keep wearing black on Sunday then. I guess uh, that's going to get steamy hot. Well, I mean, they've kind of already hit the it's steamy hot point. Yeah, that's okay. fair. Where are they going now? Got a little bit of fair or foul for you when we come back. Borky is going to pose the question. We will debate the answer. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Good to have you along on this Monday. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Glad to have you along. We've got the college football fix coming up in just a little bit. I want to remind you, we would like stories from you. Uh, you can email them to us if you want to text us, if it's just kind of a, a short excerpt. Stories about people in your hometowns who have served in the military or are first responders who are kind of hometown heroes to you. During the uh, the months of May and, well, really the month of June and up through the 4th of July, Ford is saluting our hometown heroes. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that when we roll to the college football fix. But if there's a family member or a friend or just somebody that you know in your community who's got a really cool story that is either a member of the military, was a member of the military, or is a first responder, Shoot us an email or drop us a note on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, so that we can share those stories as well. The email address for you to do that is sportstalk, all one word, sportstalk at supertalk.fm. Borky, let's get to a little fair or foul. Yeah, and I have a feeling this is going to be a universal answer, but an umpire tossed a pitcher in the Louisville Regional for basically saying that's horrible. And I said basically saying, no, that's what he said. So it's the ninth inning. The pitcher runs the ball probably a little inside, probably the right call, calling it a ball in that situation, but the pitcher puts his arms up in the air, not high, but just kind of shrugs and says, that's horrible, catches the ball from his catcher and turns around. The umpire comes off, uh, comes out, rips his mask off, and tosses the pitcher out of the game thus giving him a four-game suspension. Should he have been tossed, fair or foul, getting tossed for saying that's horrible to an umpire? Uh, foul. The pitcher throws a fastball inside corner. Eh, it's on the black. Maybe it's a little inside. It probably was a ball. It was a ball. The umpire got the call right. And it takes the count to three and two. And the pitcher just stands there and stares. And he looks at the umpire and he goes, that's horrible. And he gets the old heave-ho. Okay, so Borky, I'm going foul but with nuance. By rule, if you argue a ball or a strike with an umpire, you're ejected from the game. By rule. 
And so the umpire was within his rights to do it. Now, the umpire also, if he had been interested, could have shown a little bit of discretion. He could have ripped his mask off, and he could have pointed at the kid, and he could have walked out to the mound himself and, and said to him, if I hear one more word from you, I will throw you out of this ball game. That'd be good umpiring. He could have called time right there, walked to the dugout, called Dan McDonald, Louisville's head coach, out and said, Coach, you better walk out there right now and get your pitcher under wraps because if he so much as looks at me sideways again over a ball or strike call, I'm going to throw him out of the game. I think that would have been good umpiring. Just running the kid in that situation, I don't think that's great umpiring. But the umpire is within the rules to do so. Here's the problem that I've got. Throw him out of the game. This whole four-game suspension for questioning an umpire is what is ridiculous. One time, without foul language, without anything else, that's horrible, and that's all he said. Even with foul language. They're not fighting. He didn't dog cuss him up and down. I mean, let's say you go back to earlier this year, Cooper Johnson draws a line in the dirt for where the ball was that he thought was off the plate that was called a strike. He gets ejected, and it's a four-game suspension. That's a big deal. I was watching this at the time. I saw the replay, but I was watching Duke, Texas A&M at the time, so I didn't see anything leading up to it. And I do wonder if there were any words had between the umpire and the dugout or the umpire McDonald or umpire the pitcher or the umpire or some other pitcher before to give this some sort of context, because on its own it seems a bit much. But it's a weird situation because you shouldn't throw a kid out for that, particularly with four-game suspension in the postseason online. The pitch was a ball. Like, the guy got the call right. So that makes me think he was, like, at his tipping point. I'm not justifying it, but, like, yeah, I, you got to know what people... kind of water you're wading in, too. Right. And if you're going to complain, make sure you actually have a complaint. At the same time, it's the suspension that's the hang-up, which is a bad rule, but it is the rule. And so if this were – my question, I guess, is if this were an ejection and the umpire probably just getting in his feelings, as the kids say – um, and he's back the next game. Is this even talked about? Probably not. It's the yeah. fact that he's getting cost significant games. So what's worse, the rule or the action that happened? I think the rule's worse. Probably so. Hey, Dad, you got a quick fair or foul on this? I'm going to sort of go with Rippy there. I need a little bit more context, but just looking at it, it feels like an umpire just a little bit, a little bit over overreacting. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Into the 5 o'clock hour with you on this Monday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. If you've got land financing needs and you're in North Mississippi, then Mississippi Land Bank can help because that's what they do. They've been financing land for over 100 years. That means going all the way back to, oh, about 1918. Probably before you were born. That's when they started financing land. They understand that farming is difficult. Farmers have a tough road, and they are there to help farmers, whether it's with land financing, uh, equipment financing, uh, refinancing an existing loan, or maybe getting production loans. 
But if you're not a farmer, Mississippi Land Bank can still help you as well. If you're going to build a house in the country or you've got other financing needs that are maybe a little unconventional, reach out to the good folks at Mississippi Land Bank. You can find a branch location on their website, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Monday afternoon, just after 5 o'clock. That means right now it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You can log on to buyfordnow.com and find out about the great deals, great incentives that they've got currently available on Ford cars, trucks, and SUVs. Don't stop there, though. You can test drive. Maybe it's the F-150, the best-selling truck in America for the last 42 years, at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. And right now, don't forget, you've got special savings for military members and first responders. So in addition to the incentives on the cars, trucks, or SUVs that you're looking for at your local Mississippi Ford dealer, you can get extra special savings as Ford says thank you for your service. That promotion goes through the 4th of July, a couple of days after. And we want to do something in conjunction with Ford. We want to say thank you as well by highlighting stories from Mississippians who have made a difference in the military and from first responders. We'll take a look at first responders on Friday, but on this Monday, we look at a Mississippian from the city, maybe I should say the town of Summit. Last week, there was a Memorial Day ceremony that was happening on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Congressman Stephen Palazzo and Governor Bryant and other dignitaries were were speaking. And Congressman Palazzo shared the story of First Lieutenant Gerald Johnston of Summit, Mississippi. He was a fighter pilot during World War II and was flying a plane in which German fighter pilots attacked the formation during a B-17 bombing mission in Germany. One of the planes in the American formation was crewed by Mississippians. As the story was told to Stephen Palazzo, they were ripping the Mississippi crewed plane to shreds. At that point, First Lieutenant Gerald Johnson ordered all of his men to bail out. And they did just that. In flight, jumped out, parachutes, in order to save lives. In order to do so, Lieutenant Johnson uh, Johnston took control of the plane so that they could escape. The sad reality of the story is that Johnson didn't have a chance to follow his crew. He went down with the plane as the attack continued and lost his life. But by his heroic act in making the ultimate sacrifice, he saved the members of his crew, fellow Mississippians. Johnston left behind a wife and a young child while he was fighting in World War II. We've got stories all around us of Mississippians who have made a difference, our everyday heroes, stories just like that of First Lieutenant Gerald Johnston of Summit, Mississippi. If you've got a story you'd like to share with us, we'd like to share it with everyone else. You can email those stories to sportstalk at supertalk.fm. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We've got new bowl games Coming up for SEC teams. Borky, you've been beating the drum for for the SEC in the Las Vegas Bowl? Or was that Haydad who's been beating that oh, drum? I, I knew this was coming. The, the day they started building that stadium, you knew that the SEC was going to try to get into that market. And it's kind of funny. It, it A little conflicting almost because 
even though it did pass, the commissioner of the league was not exactly in favor for the alcohol sales in the stadium. And he also, uh, when the gambling thing was going on last summer, he was not necessarily all for it, kind of like I was in, in both situations. And now we're, we're going to have a bowl game in Vegas where it's the epicenter of both of those things. Really excited about that one, though. Yeah. Um, so how about this? The SEC is now tied at the Las Vegas Bowl. Bowl lineup for the SEC starting in 2020 and going through 2025. So it's a six-year bowl cycle. Obviously, you've got the college football playoff. That takes precedent. The SEC will have a team in the Sugar Bowl every year playing someone from the Big 12, except for years that the Sugar Bowl is part of the college football playoff. They up the agreement with the Citrus Bowls. They still get the uh, the second pick. After the college football playoff teams and the Sugar Bowl, the Citrus Bowl gets its pick. Then you have several bowls that are tiered together to make picks three through eight. The Las Vegas Bowl. And by the way, here's a point of reference on the Las Vegas Bowl. It's a six-year agreement, but the SEC will only have a team that plays in the Vegas Bowl three times. I don't know if you saw this or not. So the SEC and the Big Ten are splitting the Las Vegas Bowl and the Belk Bowl. So in three of those six years, the SEC will have a team in the Las Vegas Bowl against a Pac-12 team. The other three years, it will be a Big Ten team against the Pac-12 team. And then they'll do the same thing with the Belk Bowl in Charlotte. So three years against an ACC team from the SEC, three against an ACC team from the Big Ten. You've also got the Outback Bowl, the Texas Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Music City, the Liberty Bowl, the Birmingham Bowl, and now the Gasparilla Bowl. Playing it in Tampa, and instead of going to Shreveport for the Independence Bowl, you got a chance to go to Tampa. Hey, you've been to Tampa. That's not so bad, right? I think we lost. Hey, did. Would that I think he had a good time to, in Tampa. to Tampa, though? Because you yeah. have... So yeah. there, so there would be two teams going to Tampa. That's not too bad. No, it's not at all. You tell me, would you rather go to Shreveport or go to the beach for a bowl game? Shreveport's um, closer. Let me check my notes here. Yeah, the beach. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you. What do you think about this, Rippy? You like the SEC and the Las Vegas Bowl? I'd be down if Ole Miss got sent there. Don't you think at least for the first couple of times because of the novelty, that whatever SEC team gets sent to Las Vegas, they'll take a pretty decent crowd? I think it would. that would be the case 100 years from now. <laughs> Not just in the first couple of years of the agreement? No. Okay. As long as you're willing to spend Vegas. $40 on a beer on the Strip. Never been to Vegas. Nor have I. You're a Vegas guy, Borky? I've never been myself, actually. I was supposed to go to a bachelor party a couple years ago in Vegas, but that costs a, a lot of money that I don't have, so I could not go. There you go. That place is unbelievable. I mean, the hotel rooms were absurd, but like we're at the hotel we were supposed to stay, they, they had a pool because they all have pools, and the poolside bar was like $110 for a six-pack of beer sent to your little cabana at the pool. What? It was, it was something ridiculous like that. Wait, did you just inform us that most hotels have pools? 
I'm talking like the Vegas pool with the cabanas <laughs> and the DJ and all that crap, you know. What is it? Wet Republic? Isn't that the name of one of the pools in Vegas? Like at the Bellagio or the MGM or something? Yeah. Hey, Google it. That's Lots the last people, thing I'm I sure. want to do now. I, I could not imagine a more miserable place than a crowded pool with some stupid DJ and people handing me $50 beers. I just couldn't. No. I would rather sit on my back porch with my dogs. Is that because you're married? Probably. But even undergrad me didn't like that kind of stuff. It, that was just never my thing. I didn't know if it was because you were married or because the idea of taking your shirt off in that crowd was less appealing than maybe it once was at, your li- at some point in your oh, life. Oh, man. I, the body confidence is not an issue for me. I could not care less, especially now that I'm married. But, I mean, I, I just kind of let it fly. I didn't mind. Hey, whatever. If you think I'm fat, that, that, you know, that's fine. Rippy seemed interested in the uh, the Vegas poolside expensive drinks thing. I was trying to do the math. That's like twenty bucks a beer. Good math. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I guess I'd drink it, but like, probably not a second six pack. <laughs> Just wait till you try to get bottle service. Yeah, no kidding. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Happy to salute our military and our hometown heroes on this Military Monday presented by Ford. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Do you like the current NCAA regional formats? Follow me. You like how they're they're set up? How else would you do it? Mm, well, you could add a weekend and go two of three, two of best two of three, best two of three, best two of three. Is that fiscally feasible for a lot of these schools? Well, the NCAA play, pays the travel at this point. They're not having to come out of their own pocket on that. So it would be less money for the NCAA or more? I guess that's probably debatable. What about with the way they exist? I mean, coin flips to determine home teams, who bats first, regional hosts not being designated home teams, four-team brackets, which are different than three-game series for most of the rest of the year. Is there anything you would change? I think I would make the higher-seeded team the home team every time. Yeah, what's the point of rewarding a regional host and having the higher seed if you're going to make them be the road team in the winner's bracket of all things like that a team can win their first two games and lose a coin flip and be the road team when they're hosting a regional as a national seed that part doesn't make any sense to me other than playing in your home stadium i think they should be rewarded more maybe that is the reward maybe you're in your home stadium you get to sleep in your bed at night you get to eat your food you don't have to have box lunches and live out of a suitcase. Maybe that is the reward, and then they want to level it out after that. If you're the host team, you should probably win the game whether you bat first or second. It's a reasonable statement. Right, but... No, I'm, I'm not. I'm with Borky. I'm with Borky on this, you know. Especially, like you said, State... Like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with what happened with Ole Miss, but with State, and they win the first two games, but then they're the road team last night. How does that make sense? They're the highest seed. They haven't lost. Why are they not being rewarded? 
because they lost a coin flip? I mean, that doesn't that doesn't work for me. Yeah, I think Ole Miss was the home team in their first game, and then they were the visiting team in the next two, right? I believe that was the case. Um, I'm not saying y'all think it's wrong. I just I don't. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't like. I don't care. I don't think it makes a ton of difference. But if like what you're saying makes sense, sure. Then in a super regional round, you go. The home team, the host, is the home team in game one. The other team is the home team in game two, and then you coin flip for game three. See, that's just ridiculous. I mean, I guess you do that at the beginning of a football game as well. It starts with a coin toss, but baseball, you can literally end the game without a response. And especially in super regionals, because if you're yeah, going to you reward... play nine innings. Yeah, you do. You got a you lot of time to quarters. respond. You, you play three periods. You play five sets. Yeah, I mean, every game has a certain length of time, but if there is an advantage being the home team and hitting last in baseball, the team that was seeded better should be given that reward because they earned it throughout the course of the season. Yeah, and I'm not arguing just for the sake of arguing here, but but again, wouldn't the argument be they got a reward? They get to play in front of their in, in their stadium, in front of their plant fans, but in ninety their percent on of their co- own pillows. This year's probably a bad example because a lot of host sites were the the big time baseball schools, but ninety percent of the country couldn't care less about college baseball. So playing at home, other than just sleeping in your own bed, which these are college kids, so it's not like they have some luxury, you know, loft somewhere with a Tempur-Pedic mattress and uh, my pillows or anything like that. I mean, it's Mangum's just was handcrafted by Betsy Ross. <laughs> <laughs> she gave it to him personally. Oh man, uh, the Mangum AIDS jokes never get old, do they? But, Let me ask you this, Richard, though. What's the justification for letting the lower seeded team be the high, be the home team? Just leveling the playing field yet. on I mean, the field. I guess, but if we're going to level playing fields, we should neutral site these things. You know? Oh no, you couldn't make money then. Oh, I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along. You can text the show, 601-879-4395. I don't know. This is one of those things that I've just... If you told me, hey, we're going to get away from four-team regionals, we're going to go best two of three for three consecutive weekends to get to the College World Series, I think I could be on board with that. I don't really care who the home team is or the visiting team is once you get into regional play. Honestly, the biggest crapshoot is this next coming weekend. You play all these games for a two out of three. But the two out of three is what you do the entire season. Same with Major League Baseball, and then you play three out of five and five out of seven, or four out of seven. Five out of seven. In some cases, you play just one. But in Major League Baseball, I mean, they'll play six days in a row. So it's not like they're not used to playing that many times in that kind of a span. I mean, in college baseball, they'll play one game on Tuesday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they won't play again until Tuesday and then have a long break and Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then when you get to the conference tournament, you're playing five games in four days. And when you get to regionals, you're playing four teams. Why do you guys hate baseball so much? 
I wasn't saying that. I was just saying a three out of five might be fun just because it gives you a bit more of a like series than just a two out of three. Like you play a fifty-six game slate and some postseason games for two out well, of three all, games. That's what the season is, and you know they're they're all two out of three. They're all three game series on the weekend. So I mean, it's but just, the that's mecca the of the sport is a double elimination tournament. Well, I can't help you with that. I, I do like though that the College World Series made the transition to a best two out of three series to win it all. Sure, you just got to you just got to double elim your way into that. I'm not saying they're complaining. Like, I'm not necessarily complaining that they should change the super regional thing. But like, if you're looking at changing something that makes the most sense, like the two out of three thing doesn't make a ton of sense. Okay. So you like the postseason in baseball? Here's what I, I mean, sure you you want to know what I like about the college baseball postseason that makes it to me so much different than basketball and football. In college football, there's limited access, first of all. And if you lose, you're done. you got four teams, two games, national champion, okay. In basketball, greatest postseason tournament in all of sports. Yes, understood. But it's the team that's the hottest, not necessarily the best team. And if you lose one time, you're done. In college baseball, from the time regional play begins, you can lose four games and still win a national championship. You can lose a game in a regional, still win the regional, advance to a super. You can lose a game in a super, win the other two, advance to the College World Series. You can lose a game in the double elimination format of the College World Series and advance to the championship series and then lose a game there and still win the other two. Now, the likelihood of losing all four of those games and still winning a national championship, not terribly terribly high, because that's a lot of loser bracketing that goes on along the way. But it's still pretty neat that because baseball is a unique game and you get a whole lot of that's baseball mixed in with it, hey, Dad, mm-hmm. it gives you a little margin for error. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, always so old and I don't like to change things, but I like the way, you know, and I, and I was when, when they went from the six-team regionals to the, to the the current setup with the super regionals. I, I wasn't a big fan of that, but I have what? grown to. I wasn't. Why? I like the old six-team regionals. I just did. When you had only 48 teams in the tournament? I guess. I don't know. I'm old and yeah. I don't like change. Can I just not like change? It, it, it frightens me. The current format does not bother me at all. No, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I have grown to love it. And we've been there since 1999 with the yeah Super it Regional format. creates a ton of drama, too, because we were talking about on the podcast already today, is like a five-run lead in some of these games when your season's on the line. And like it's almost like the imperfections of the college game make the drama more interesting on weekends like this because a five-run lead when your season's on the line is almost like, I don't want to say it's not nothing, but like, I mean, you've seen 8-1-9-1-9-2-10-4 get erased this weekend. Like, it was absolutely nothing. It's insane. Yeah. So, Borky, ultimately, how would you determine home team? If you're the number one seed, you're the home team unless you get eliminated, and then it's the next highest seed that automatically is the home team? Yeah. And then in the Super Regionals, I don't mind home road home. I just think there should be some kind of advantage being the home team when you are a, a host site or a national seed. I mean, because you have that in the NBA and Major League Baseball, right? You have home field advantage. Even though they play long series, one team gets one more home game than the other. You can't do that here logistically, but the home host should get 
more being the home team instead of just relying on a coin flip. They should be rewarded somehow in that way for being that national seed. Heads or tails? Tails. Yeah, you can't call heads. Hey, Dan. Tails never fails. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.